when we're talking about people of color being in predominantly white spaces and particularly predominantly white Christian spaces, I think in order for those moments to work for the people of color, there has to be some elements of partnership there. There has to be that the people who are in the majority are are open to those voices and are making that not a traumatic environment. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. What up, folks? This is Leroy Barber with the Sit Up Podcast. And as usual, we are thankful for you following along with us in this journey we're on, uh, in this Sit Up Podcast where we talk about sports, we uh, throw around some innovation, uh, we talk uh, about uh, theology. We we put out there what we call the ugly, some you know, talking about injustice, and we try to use public discourse. That's what Sit Up stands for. And so thanks for following along in these stories. Remember to hit us up on Facebook at Sit Up Podcast or shoot questions or comments uh, to me at Leroy Barber. Uh, it's the same on Twitter and same on Facebook uh, that you can hit me up. So uh, do that, folks, and i uh, love to get some feedback from you. So we got to start this show today uh, where I have to issue an apology. Our last guest who did a fantastic interview with us, Dr. Robin Henderson Espinoza, whose name I pronounced as Mendoza. That is, uh, that is a huge mistake. And my apologies... Uh, to Robin, who's a friend, uh, for for that mistake. Also, I kept referring to Dr. Espinoza as she. And Dr. Espinoza is a non-binary trans person who doesn't use female pronouns. And I need to apologize for that. Y'all, some of y'all may be asking why I'm doing this, because it's important. It is important to identify with people we care about um, using the ways they decide to be identified. Calling people outside of their names and referring to people and pronouns that they don't uh, use for themselves is an issue. And I made that mistake over and over and over again, referring to a non-binary trans person as she. And that should not have happened. So to Dr. Robin Henderson Espinoza, I am sorry. To my non-binary trans person friend, I am sorry. Now on to today's show. Uh, I'm excited. Because, again, you know, I, I'm excited about this podcast because I get to interview my friends, folks from all around the country, all around the world that I have the honor of just peeking into and getting to know their work. Uh, today's guest is is the same. Uh, Amina Brown uh, is a fantastic artist, author storyteller, a comedic storyteller, uh, and an event MC. She is multi-talented, 
In fact, you know, the opening of our show and the music that we use in our show um, is uh, from the album Soul Graffiti, an EP that Amina Brown and her husband Matt Owen have that they have done together. Uh, and they have allowed us to use those pieces for our show. And it fits and works so well with what we're doing that I'm honored that they have allowed us to use to use their music and their art for this show. So shout out to them, but also uh, excited that we're going to be talking to Amina. So, you know, uh, Andrew Morgan is our producer for this show and he carries out some of these interviews that we do. And so you're going to hear his voice uh, in this interview. Uh, so shout out to Andrew Morgan and our producer uh, as as we listen to this interview. And uh, also uh, just just a lot of commercials today. But y'all y'all go with me. Also, Amina Brown is going to be in Portland, uh, May 18th doing an event for and with the United Methodists in the area. And so those of you who are out there, you know, this show is produced and put out uh, in our United Methodist circles for everyone to, to take part in and listen to, but I'm excited that we're going to have Amina here in Portland. And so you'll hear more about that, but May 18th, Portland, Oregon, Amina Brown. So some questions I want to throw out as we jump into Amina's interview. First of all, her and her husband work together. What does it mean? What you, you, do you work with your, with your partner? If you do, what does that look like? How do you balance business partnership and like relational married partnership? How do you balance the two? Another, another thing I think that will, will come out of today's show is this idea um, of, of reading and books um, and art around Amina's work. Do you, do you see enough kids' books out there um, that, that kids of color uh, can, can, can use or read or, or explore around their art? What books do you use? How important is this? Another question is business that is uh, centered around women of color. Women of color, how do you carry out your business? What what struggles are in that? Um, what strengths do you bring to the business community? How do you deal with being a woman of color? And sometimes male, it's not sometimes, a lot of times male dominated space. What does that look like? And what does that sound like? How do black leaders, how do you, um, how do you, how do you maneuver majority space? Spaces where it's majority white folks and you're in business and you're trying to shape a business. What is that? What does that look like? And then what about mentorship? How does mentorship play into this? Do you have mentors? Uh, are there folks around in your life that you, you, you were able to look at uh, or get an idea of how they went about things? E either up close or from a distance that helped shape 
some of what you're doing now, whether whether you're, uh, you know, working in a law firm or whether you're an artist or whether uh, you're working at a church or ministry, any of those spaces. Do you have mentors? What 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 role did they play or do they play in your work? And I want to dive into maybe a little bit around church leadership. When you're out and you're running a business, you're on the road, you're speaking, you're traveling, uh, and all those kinds of things, what does church look like? How do, you, how, how do you navigate church space and leadership within churches? What does that mean? And what is that? What is that? What, how does that play out in your life? So we have a multi-talented person uh, we're about to talk to in Amina Brown that she works in a lot of different spaces with a lot of different people and has a lot of different gifts. And I think just a wonderful, fascinating person. So stay tuned. This is Leroy Barber with the Sit Up Podcast. Amina Brown is up next. Let's begin. Listen, and let's be clear. You only get one chance, one opportunity, one request to appear, one moment to consider what you might hold dear, a few seconds to digest what might be coming near, a quick check of which direction you may want to steer. Maybe God is pro-choice. He gave each of us a will, a mind, a voice, and whether we will make statements, speak truth, or add to the noise is up to us to take the dust we've been given. To treat our seconds like scents and watch how we spend them. To use our words like olive branches in the mouths of birds and watch where we send them. Take the negative thoughts we were taught. Take our wounded souls and hearts and let God mend them. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Welcome in to the Sit Up Podcast. I'm your host, and I said it again. I'm just going to roll with it this time. <laughs> I am just the producer. Leroy Barber, as you just heard, is your host. And today we have a special guest. As you guys know, we play uh, some really beautiful music, really great music in the intro. And so we have the person who made the music here with us, or at least half of the. That's uh, right. So uh, can you go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah. My name is Amina Brown Owen, and I am half of Soul Graffiti. The group and the business. (laughs) Give me a little bit of background on Soul Graffiti. Yeah, it's uh, really interesting thinking about this now because we're making a turn in what we're doing with Soul Graffiti. But Soul Graffiti started out as the name for the duo for my husband and I. My husband's stage name is DJ Obdiggy. And we wanted to try a project. We were already performing together for me as a spoken word poet and him as a DJ and music producer and for me as a storyteller, and we did a lot of shows mixing those things together. And we wanted to try what what would it look like to take spoken word and put it into songwriting form. Normally when he was producing music for me, it'd just be a poem in full, and then he would put music around that. But it was different to try to think about, you know, how many bars of music, you know, could you put a poem in? And so we played around with that. We are married, so we argued. <laughs> <laughs> and we got on each other's nerve during the creative process. We were edging in on each other's creative process while we made that EP for Soul Graffiti. And we were hoping, honestly, that we would take that on the road. And it never materialized. So we just put the music out there. So when Leroy said, <laughs> hey, I love this EP. Can I use this song for my podcast? I was like, 
Yes, we yeah. would love for someone to use this music. Now, Soul Graffiti is actually also the name of the business that my husband and I have together. So it houses all of our entertainment and media, all of the music production, music licensing, uh, anything that we do. Um, Soul Graffiti also houses all those things. So how does this work, working with your husband? Is this all the time? Are you guys together all the time? How, do, how does that dynamic work together? It's kind of like a Venn diagram with us because we both have things that are our strengths that the other person doesn't have. And then we have like a few things that we do together. So obviously my husband is an amazing uh, podcast producer and music producer and musician and DJ. So those are all the things he does. I can't do none of those things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I am the writer and uh, communicator, kind of storyteller, personality. And so we sort of have a lot of respect for the separate things that we do, which I think helps us work well together. But we're always in collaboration in some way. Anything that any of us, either of us have produced, we're typically speaking into that, you know, being the ear or the bouncing board for ideas for the other person. And then we have some things we get to do together. We get to do a lot of events and shows together, which is really fun. He produces all my podcasts, so we get to collaborate on a lot of that. Any of my albums, anybody has heard any music on there. My husband did those things, too. So it is about us finding ways to respect each other's different creative processes and also be each other's business partner and teammate, too, you know. So what are all the different creative things that you do? I write poems and perform them. I am a comedic storyteller. That's the term I've given to what I'm doing in between poems. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm an author. I've written two nonfiction books. And I'm also an event MC. So I host all sorts of events, which is lots of fun. So let, let's talk a little bit about you being a, a writer. How did that process begin for you? Well, I started writing when I was probably like 12 years old, just in a notebook. I was a nerdy kid. I loved reading books. So I just read so many books that I wanted to become a writer myself. You know, I read Toni Morrison and Sonia Sanchez and Nikki Giovanni and Maya Angelou. I just read and read and read and read. Judy Bloom, you know, <laughs> Beverly Cleary. I read everybody that I could read. And that made me want to become a writer. So I started writing just on my own in notebooks and stuff um, as a teenager. And I just kept that dream all along, honestly. So it's my my little girl self is very proud that I actually became a writer. So what is it like being a writer and being a woman of color and you're in this writing world. What's that like? Well, in some ways, I'll say on the creative side, it's amazing because I'm getting a chance to give voice to some things that are very specific to my experience in life. And then there are a lot of black women and a lot of women of color who read those things that feel seen and heard and understood. And that part is dope. I love that part. The business parts of being a writer and being a woman of color are a lot of times really challenging because once you get to being published or having an agent, even uh, some of the events that I might do, you know, you are going to be a lot of times, you know, the only woman of color in some of those meetings in some of those rooms or uh, of a very small number of women of color, or you may be the first 
woman of color that this person has ever worked with, you know. So that comes with its challenges as far as making sure that people are not trying to make you a black version of this white woman author or this white male author either, you know, and really making sure that you know what your voice is, you know what your brand is, you know who the community of people are that you want to reach with your words and focus on that and really getting everybody on board that you work with, getting them on board with that, not putting you in an assembly line process. But that is hard on you as a woman of color. It really is. So how important is representation um, as an author of color in the Christian realm? I think it's hugely important because I think and, you know, I didn't go to seminary, but I do have quite a few friends who did. And they just talk about how in so many ways, depending on the, you know, context in which we may have been raised for those of us who were raised in church environments, you know, a lot of the books that shaped you may not have been written by people that looked like you. Right. So you were getting that learning about uh, discipleship or that learning about how to read your Bible or those things. And you were not getting those things from people who also understood the context of what it was like to be in your skin and to live the world through your perspective. So I think it's really important for as many authors of color, as many just marginalized people, period, to write books about faith, about parenting, about science, about whatever you want to write about, because there are ways you will write about that from your experience that are different than someone else will write about. And I think that's why it's important for authors of color to write, to be in community with each other, and really important for them to have the support from publishers, from literary agents, from booking agents. We need that support too. So I'm going to take things all the way back to the beginning. This is something that if you're hearing my voice and you're listening to the Sitter podcast, that means uh, Leroy and I are on the road and we're in uh, Boise, Idaho. Is this your first time? Because this was my first time here. Is this your first time in in Boise? Yeah, this is my first time in Idaho, period. I've never been to this state ever. (laughs) Yeah, And, And it's weird because there's not a lot of people of color here. How important is it for for us to enter into these spaces and perform and to get the books out there and let people know that people of color exist and they exist in positions of leadership and they they exist in positions of creativity in all kinds of different uh, places? It's it's. I, f- I feel like I have like all these layers of answers to that question. <laughs> it was a lot know? of layers to the question. <laughs> yeah, I, f- I feel like a part of that layer for me, you know, I, I grew up as a military kid, so we travel quite a bit growing up. And now I, I know that that was a big asset to me and okay. what I do for a living now because I think it helps me to enter most spaces and feel like I deserve to be there. Yeah, <laughs> And I yeah. think that's like hugely important for us. Uh, as people of color and just marginalized people in general, you know, to enter the spaces where, you know, there may be people who don't look like us at all. And it doesn't mean because they're there and they don't look like us that we don't also deserve to be there or that our voices are not also of value there. But I think also it takes a partnership to make those things work because there can be times you enter a space where you're with people who are not like you or you are in an environment where the majority of the people there have more privilege than you have. And that can be tiring and traumatic to you, depending on how the environment is, how the space is. So I think 
when we're talking about people of color being in predominantly white spaces and particularly predominantly white Christian spaces, I think in order for those moments to work for the people of color, there has to be some elements of partnership there. There has to be that the people who are in the majority are are open to those voices and are making that not a traumatic environment for yeah. us because I know I've had that experience and you probably have too. Yeah. We know Leroy has as well. <laughs> Leroy brings those experiences. <laughs> so so what's your connection with Leroy? I met Leroy and Donna, his wife, right, unfortunately, before they were leaving Atlanta. So okay. I've lived in Atlanta for over 20 years now. And after I started speaking professionally, when I would travel different places, people would ask me all the time, you don't know Leroy? Why don't you know Leroy? Leroy and Donna Barber, you don't know them. And I was like, I don't know them, guys. I don't know them. I don't know how to know them. And so finally, there was some event where Leroy and I finally had a chance to meet. And my husband and I went out to dinner with him and Donna. And at the time that we went out to dinner with them, we were just, you know, starting in our marriage. So it was just amazing to be there with a couple that's been married as long as they have doing this type of communal work as long as they have. So I was like, yes, you know, we've gotten this couple in our lives. We're going to have dinner with them. It's going to be great. And I think at our second dinner, they were like, so we're moving to Portland. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, no. So since then, uh, Leroy and Donna both have just invited us into different spaces. We've been on a historically black college tour with them. Uh, I've been to the Voices Conference with them and just um, different events like what we're here to do. So really, for the most part, there there are a few of us that when Leroy's calling, we're like, all right, I'll come there. (laughs) Yeah. So taking it back to somewhat of a personal question, how long have you been married now? We've been married seven years. So what's what's been the thing that's gotten you guys over the hump? Man, oh, I think I think my biggest thing I would say is communication. And I think anybody in any sort of relationship, whether it's marriage or family or even, you know, in in work situations where we have to work really closely with people, communication is such a huge thing. But when you're in an interpersonal relationship, communication can be hard because it forces you to have to be vulnerable, you know, forces you to have to admit when your feelings are hurt or when you feel insecure or when you're wrong, you know? So I think for us just trying our best and we don't get it right. I know I don't get it right a good portion of the time, but just to try the best that I can to communicate as honestly as I can, as vulnerably as I can. I think that's a big thing. I think for us, it's really helped us being in good community. We have great church community. We have great family. Our our family base is very solid. You know, most of our families in Atlanta with us. We're probably not moving from Atlanta unless somebody offers me a million dollars to move <laughs> to Southern California, which then we could afford to take some family with us when we did that. But otherwise, <laughs> you know, having family and just people around you that love you, that support you, that... um Believe in what you're doing, but aren't so impressed by you. They wouldn't tell you the truth. Yeah. That's been a huge thing for our marriage, too. So being a writer, do you do you feel like maybe there's going to be a book around family and marriage coming soon or anything like that? 
Well, in my last book, I because my last book was like a spiritual memoir covering the first five years of my 30s. Okay. So my last book was called How to Fix a Broken Record. So there is a dating section in that book okay. and there is a marriage section in that book. And I wanted to cover more so like what are those first few years of marriage like you know I definitely was not attempting to write a guide for anyone (laughs) you know I'm like we had been married like less than five years at that point you know like let's not write a guide but let's talk about those early lessons that you're learning when you're trying to figure out what does marriage look like so that was a lot of fun and I intend to stay married to my husband and get on his nerves until Jesus come back So I'm sure that that theme will continue showing up in my books and shows up in my poetry, too. So what's next? What's the next book or what's the next song, album, tour? What's next for you and your husband? Okay, what's next for me is I'm going to put out a poetry book this year. I have not put out a poetry book since 2002. So I'm really having a good time editing that. So I'm working on that and also uh, working on my podcast, Her with Amina Brown, where I'm interviewing women of color, which is lots of fun. Uh, My husband is working on an EP that is themed around his birth year. So he was born in 1978. So he's making an EP inspired by the sounds of that year, which is lots of fun. That is. Yeah. So... What about church life and things of that nature? What what's, what's, what do you have going on in that realm? We have a, a wonderful church community. My husband and I both have, at various times of our lives, been professional artists in the faith-based space. So because of that, that makes finding a church kind of interesting because we are people who have been behind the scenes of Disney World where you find out that Mickey Mouse smokes cigarettes <laughs> and that Goofy drinks and yeah. whatever, you know. So when you see the behind the scenes of it for us going to a church that had smoke machines and was super produced and really big and huge was a turnoff for us. You know, we really uh, need and want to be in a church where we can be known and where we can know the other people who are there And we love our church for that. And I think also it's important to both of us. Uh, One of the things my husband said, which I had never thought about when we were looking for a church, is he said he wanted to go to a neighborhood church. He was like, I want to go to a church that's not far from where we live. So that way, if we're serving in the community, we're serving where we live. And I really love that because you could obviously drive 45 minutes and pass, you know, 12,000 churches. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so that's been important to us too, just having a place of community where, Again, people love us but aren't so impressed by us that they wouldn't tell us the truth. Well, we thank you for uh, joining us on the Sit Up Podcast. Is there anything else you want to share with Leroy or share with the the audience before we get out? Oh, my gosh. Um, I think the other thing I would just say that I think is really important is I think it's important for everything that we do to be rooted in community. And that's one of the things that I really find inspiring about the work that Leroy does. It's what grounds me in my poetry, too. So whatever you're doing, stay grounded in community and you will find beautiful things grow from that. All right. Thank you so much. Too young to die, too old to live for nothing. Face forward, make sure you ain't frightened. Running life's race means starting something. Each day, new beginning, rise with the sun and put on your kicks, cause life's a trip. I don't run alone, cause I'm known to slip. I used to think the chrome was the way to live, until I saw too many in before they could begin. Stop and think and reposition. Let your soul grow, think the mission.
difference between plans and wishes.